welcome, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes Jacked podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Flattiger. And I'm your co-host, Anthony Cole. And I'm the third, but not least, Frank Lewandowski the third. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into another episode of the podcast. So today, uh, what we're going to be talking about is we really want to dive deep into who we are and what we do and what we promote, which is uh, primarily great, good, positive people, but we like to focus on men because we're all men and that role and that need in society. And so in light of everything that's going on with George Floyd, riots, protesting, uh, discussions, arguments, debates, all that, everything that's encapsulated in that on internet and Facebook and whatnot, we want to highlight, we're just going to highlight a different male role model, but we're going to do an African-American man. Yeah. Shout out to the black. So we each kind of thought about who do we want to talk about? We did a little research and so we're going to go ahead and do that. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. I liked maybe creating a hashtag like why we love black people or why Mm, I love black people. Right. Turning things into a positive. Dude, and that's the thing is like the black community is they're they're different. They they clearly are culturally different, and I love that about it. And I, I I think we should embrace it and we should talk about it. And I think it helps blur the lines that the media for sure tries to place in front of everybody, like because they really want to point out that we're different. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up culture because it's like that's like something in Phoenix. What's huge here is like a Latino Hispanic culture, you know. And then like it's so funny because we grew up in that culture, being oh, in yeah. pure Arizona, you know. But we're also, I mean, we're just white boys, right? Oh yeah, I've had so many girls tell me like, "You are a Peoria boy," like, <laughs> because like because apparently I have some like ghetto side to me or yeah. something. Yeah, like seriously, well, I got a little ghetto, a little, little countryside. Pure is an interesting little little place yeah, it's little a little nice droplet little of everything yeah it's got a little everything in it yeah um but yeah so we want to talk so m- the guy that i kind of thought about i kind of already had him in mind and i really wanted to look more into his life and highlight a few things was ben carson and why did why did you think of him i thought of ben carson well actually in the most recent election uh he ran for president and I always, I really liked what he had to say. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for this because I even know some listeners. I'm not gonna lie, but especially some of our black listeners are probably gonna roll their eyes at this because, dude, he was kind of hated by the black community. So I'm really excited for you to say some positive things that they should not be hated. Yeah, he was very critical of Barack Obama. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of people looking back on that administration are a lot. People who are supporters are very critical mm-hmm. when they look at the entire eight years and different stuff that happened and or didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ben Carson when he was running for president, the only thing is he's not. Uh, you know, everyone's everyone wants their politician to be like super charismatic. Like Barack Obama was, very, he could speak so well, give amazing speeches. Mm-hmm. And Ben Carson, he didn't have that same like. He was a neurosurgeon. Yeah, he, he's, like, a nerd. I mean, like, he's, he's a nerd. He's a nerd. Yeah. No, his, his brain runs faster than his mouth. It does. Yeah. Right. It does. Barack Obama was a lawyer. Yeah, which right. makes sense. Very yeah. articulated man. He's like mm. one of the most beautiful speech providers Polished. in history. Yeah, I would just watch the um, State of the Union. Yeah. Just to listen to Barack speak. You know, if he never became president. He was better to look at, too. Obama yeah. was a good looking black man. He yeah. If, yeah. If he never was president, he could have had a job just reading books. Oh, yeah. Like, Frank sure. could do that. Frank could read books. I love People it. love Frank's books. If voice. anyone has a book that I should read, let me know. I'm <laughs> open and available. Okay, so Ben Carson. Okay. Okay, so he was born in Detroit, 1951. So, interesting thing is his mom. So she actually dropped out of school in the third grade, and she got married at the age of 13 to a mm-hmm. Baptist uh, preacher. Okay. At 13. That doesn't sound creepy. Yeah. 13 <laughs> years old. Um, when Ben Carson was eight years old, um, he had one brother and one other sibling. Um, so his mom's like, what, like 20? She finds out that Ben Carson's dad uh, had a whole other secret family. So she divorced him and left him when he, when Ben was eight years old. So she was like twenty, and she has a third grade education. She's raising she's a single mother raising two two boys. So already there, you see like another fatherless kind of like situation, right? Fatherless, and you see some like things, some hurdles that are clearly against him. Just turmoil. Yeah. Can you imagine at eight years old, all you want is a good dad, a good mom to to have, give you that safe environment. And your mom's twenty. 
Yeah. That's insane. Extremely That's humble beginnings. Okay. So, of course, he, he grew up having some issues. He was failing some classes as a young kid in elementary school. Kind of, he, he described it as having a, like, um, a lot of violent outbursts in school and stuff like that. So his mother actually, even though she could, she did not read well, third grade education, she required him to get, read two library books a week. Wow. At like a eight, full, full book. Yeah. Nine, 10, 11, 12, oh like growing God. up, he had Dude. to read too. So he had he to do his old? homework and just read from his, uh, early childhood throughout all of his yeah education she made him read but it turned him into a great student and uh he said like you know what kid wants to read and then he he just ran with it he just loved reading then he became just like crazy bookworm self-educated but then obviously did super well in school so he actually wound up graduating with honors from his high school and he received a full ride scholarship to to yale so he went to yale on a full ride scholarship and he got his bachelor's degree in psychology but isn't that crazy, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, like just as he turns the page, and I get my next yeah, as he turns the page. No, yeah, but that's insane. That yeah. is crazy. Most people, that's their achievement. Just that. Just that. You got a bachelor's in psychology. What do you do? I'm a waiter at I'm Starbucks. I'm a waiter. It's from Yale. Well, right. Can we? Before we continue, <laughs> how often do we make excuses? Well, it's like, oh, well, you know, I had to work through high school, and I had to do. My dad left, yeah. and, and you make these excuses, and then mm. you're at where well, you're at. What's very important because of you. Yeah. The only one who cares about excuses is yourself. Mm-hmm. No one else is saying, That's oh, true. poor you, poor you. They say it. They don't mean it. Yeah. Right? Excuses is the only thing that you have to live with and look in the mirror and say, was well, it really a reason? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's very important about this that I liked was that his mother took an active role in his education. She mm-hmm. took an active role in forcing him to read two library books, forcing him to, to really step up. You know, because mm-hmm. she, I mean, that's basically what she's had to do her whole life, too. I and think he, because he she that saw what books. she didn't have, right? Yeah. So as a natural parent, you want to give your child uh, what you didn't have. Yeah. And she did a great job, obviously. I'm not going to lie. I feel like we could almost do a whole episode about black mothers because they literally are like a subculture and they are such strong people and they have, they're mm-hmm. like, they go through so many things. Yeah, there's a lot of single single mothers. Yeah. Um, so he enrolled in the University of Medicine at, or in the School of Medicine at the University of Michigan, and that's mm-hmm. where he uh, went on to become a neurosurgeon, and he became an intern at John Hopkins in 1977. Can By I, 1982, he was the chief resident of neurosurgery at Hopkins. Okay, so he, can I tell you real quick? Yeah. Again, I'm in medicine a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of semi, mm-hmm. but it's amazing the amount of school he went to. There's not many neurosurgeons. Like there's probably less than 300 in the country, something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, guessing, I bet. Maybe less than 200. Brain surgeon. And he became a pediatric neurosurgeon. Yeah. Which again is even less. So he wasn't just a doctor. He was a super, super, super doctor. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. They go to school like literally to become a neurosurgeon. By the time you're finished, you're like 38. That's like yeah, seriously. Like you go 35. to school. 35. Yeah, yeah. 35. Yeah. I was about to say because here in my notes. At age 33, he was the director of pediatric neurosurgery, the oh, youngest U.S. physician to hold such a position. Ba- basically, See, you go right youngest. into the head spot because there's yeah. not many of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was actually creating things as he was becoming a doctor. Yeah. I think like, he was the first to like uh, separate, what is it, uh, so twins in, that were attached by the, at yeah. the head, right? So in 94, he attempted that um, to separate two conjoint twins, babies, and they died. Mm-hmm. And then in 97, he successfully separated wow. two twins. Was he not like one of the first? He was the first one. Yeah. And oh, then wow. he was yeah. the first in 2000 or like 99 or 2000 to ever attempt it on adults. So these two, I think they were from, oh, they're from somewhere in the Middle East. I'm forgetting though. They're 29 years old. They've been conjoined their whole life. Their brains had fused and they had a main vein. And they actually, even even though he said, don't do it, they're like, I would rather die than be connected to my any sister longer. any longer. Yeah. So they, he went through the surgery. Um, they survived the initial surgery, and then they died a few days later in critical mm. condition. He, and he told him, he was like, how much is fused and this main vein? Like, it's almost yeah. an impossibility, mm. but well, they took the risk. It still look, took a lot of courage to even try it. First to ever try it, ever do it. He mm. mapped it, he did it, but apparently, you know, even though that was a setback for him, he kept you know, kept pushing forward. Apparently he had like an insanely rigorous work schedule and the way he prepared for things and did stuff. Of course. Um, up well, until I mean, we see it in medicine. I mean, sometimes no matter what you do, depending on what state somebody's in there, there's no saving it. They're going to pass away. That's mm-hmm. the thought against COVID too. I and mean, we don't have to get into it, but 
how much can we actually control? Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, worldwide pandemic. How what much, can you do? How, what can you do? Right. It's Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so up until 2002, he found out he had prostate cancer, and apparently he took a very active role in his own case. So met with the, the surgeons, looked at X-rays, like took a just a really extensive uh, approach to it. Pick very specific with who was going to perform the surgery and what mm-hmm. hospital and all that. Um, but he went underwent a very successful surgery, and he actually made a full recovery. Uh, but then he went on to author. I didn't know this. Uh, I knew he had like one book or two. He he's authored six books at least from what, what I found. Six books. The first four were early on. Uh, one was called Miracle Hands. And then he, he wrote more books on neurosurgery and, and medicine and life. Mm-hmm. And then his last two books, this is his segue kind of into uh, politics. Um, he wrote about the country and like the state of the country and just, mm-hmm. just different stuff about it. It was a lot more political. He wrote two books on that. So he's written at least six. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a bestseller at least. Or at least I think two of them actually. Miracle Hands mm-hmm. and another one. Um, he actually got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is like the highest honor a civilian can ever oh, wow. get. Uh, and he, he got like four other medals too, but that was mm-hmm. the highest one. So I think that. He, he dedicated his life to help others. his whole life mm-hmm. to that. Like his, his off week was 55 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm blazing through this for the listeners. And then we can, I can, we can elaborate more too. Mm-hmm. Just so for people who are listening, I'm not just running through this, you know, mm-hmm. without elaborating. Um, but then he ran for president. Like we kind of highlighted he ran for president. He didn't win, but he is the current secretary of the department of housing and urban development. He's actually been there the whole time. Whole time. He says he's going to be done at the end of this term. Um, he doesn't want to do any more. He wants to go back to the private sector and go, I think, go back to medicine, actually. Mm. Um, but Ben Carson. So born, his mother, with a third grade education, got married at 13, left, you know, left her man when he was eight years old. That's a huge, just right there. Like if we talk about, we talk about like winning the life lottery, right? If you live in America, that's box check that box if you have two parents check a box mm-hmm. you know depending on the community that you live in check a box yeah so yeah was he fortunate enough to live uh, live in america that's amazing did he have at least one very strong powerful you know empowering mother yeah but to be d- born in you know detroit michigan which is kind of you know it was it's not the greatest of areas to you know to live in yeah. um single mother lot to overcome still educated himself got to yale use that to get to you know mm-hmm. into medicine become a neurosurgeon like you can see the how best the best because even john hopkins I mean, it's an mm-hmm. amazing hospital yeah you can see how like everything he overcame and pushed himself towards led him to the next thing led him to the next thing led him to the next thing to led him try to, to be president thing. and was trashed because of what and they, he was No, they made for. him look stupid. That was the worst yeah. part. And the, the hard yeah. part was is that he's not the best speaker in that format. Yeah. And it's not no, that he's dumb. It's not a strong or, suit. Obviously, he's one of the smartest people around, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, it's not his strongest suit is the way he speaks in that manner. I think mm-hmm. sometimes he fumbles or that I think, honestly, his brain is just so high-powered that it doesn't just correlate straight to the vocal, right? You get someone like uh, Barack Obama, again, he's a lawyer, like he's built that way, he needs to communicate that way. A brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon, I mean, he, a lot of his stuff is how he's thinking and his oh, hands, yeah. right? Miracle hands. I haven't heard a lot of talks from Albert Einstein, but I'm sure <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. weren't perfect. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think he exemplifies, you know, and he got, you know, his wife, they actually met at Yale too. Um, he's a good father, you know, and he just, Look at him. Like, he's accomplished so much to accomplish as much as he did. And then to truly feel like, like, he ran for president because he he thought, you know what? There's no one else who's going to do this job. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to step up and do this job. He gave it a shot. And gave it a shot. And that's how cool is that? And I then, think he recognized that he was a voice in the black community or could be, but he was kind of rejected by his own. When did community. he run? Was he it ran Trump, in 20, yeah, 2015. Yep. Okay, that panel mm-hmm. of people. It's just what's a shame is like you get these people that run and I think some of them, you know, genuinely want to make a difference. And again, it becomes a side of like hate and trying to bring someone down. And it's like, isn't the goal to make America a good place to be for everyone, regardless yeah. what side you're on, right? I, yeah. I hope whoever is president does a good job. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, if Hillary Clinton won, I hope she does a good job. I mean, it all affects our country. 
Like, yeah. I hope she's amazing. I hope Trump does a great job. I think it's really weird when you hope that the candidate does a bad job when they're the ones that are in the, the pilot seat. Yeah, it's, it's true, man. Because like, you're stuck with them, too. We're on the same team. Because you know how hard it is? And we've seen it with this administration. Like It is hard to, yeah. to uproot up a sitting president. Like It's only been done... Like a like couple times. times. Well, they're all like, assassinations, I think. Yeah, yeah. you well, know, you, and it was like way, way, way long Nixon, ago. Nixon, right? Nixon, yeah, he's like the most recent one because even Clinton, Clinton would have been, would have been, longer. but the Senate, the Senate saved him. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, so it's like Ben Carson, though. To me, he he just really exemplified. It's like you know, if we're gonna highlight a male role model, and then to go even further because of everything that's going on, I want to look into you know a black male role model. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson, it just came to my mind. Ben Carson, another one was uh, someone we did an episode with. It was Mark Little. He yeah. was the other one I thought of, um, but we already have a full episode done with him. I did kind of want to highlight someone else. I did want to mention him, though. Oh. Shout out Mark to that Little. episode, though. You guys did a yeah. great Shout job. Shout out to episode. Yeah. 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 episode. So if you don't yeah. know who Mark Little is, I mean, you can start with the story. Like, Talk about the adversities, man. That man has his face. Single mother, another guy, single mm-hmm. mother. He now knows his father. His father was actually running back for the Denver Broncos. He's in the Football Hall of Fame, too. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but absentee father when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. His mother raised him. He got into USC law. And when he was 21 years old, um, he was shot. He was shot by a guy who was like, hey, man, come here. Can you can Ooh, you fix don't, me? Don't Help. T- should we tell him the ending? Oh, tell him the ending of the story? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's in the description. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. it's true. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was shot yeah, by a guy who was like... after that. Yeah, well, yeah, but not the, the ball story about his nuts? Oh, that, I mean, it blew off his leg. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about the joke he told in the yeah, ambulance. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. yeah. yeah you got to hear it, the whole story. What yeah. episode is it? I don't know. I thought it was 32. It might Little. be 31, though. Okay. Anyways, Mark Little. Yeah, so We're Mark Little. Hairs. Yeah, so he got he was shot, and then he wound up losing his entire leg. And he was talking about it. he's like they gave me assistance when I was in the hospital, and I used that. It was it was good and it was helpful and it helped me. But when I got out, I left with one leg, and I went and worked two jobs and continued to go to USC Law and put myself through school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. Oh yeah. Damn, like. This guy's a killer. And then, I mean, he, so he's an attorney. He has his own mm-hmm. law firm. He does, uh, he specializes in um, music. Like, he helped start his own school. He's, he started he's, like three. He started yeah. three charter schools. He sits on charter boards. Um, he's a, he's also a pastor. He's a minister. And mm-hmm. right now he's, he's currently sitting on, a, I forget if it's the COO or the CEO of a political organization out in Washington, D.C., and he's trying to do a lot of good work out there yeah, to, to enact DC policy right change and to affect this country in a, in a positive way. Very strong Christian. Strong Christian uh, man. Strong man of faith. Yeah. Strong father. A guy that's seen as much he's adopted. as anyone. So not mm-hmm. only is he a father, you know, biologically, but he's adopted. Um, his, is, mm-hmm. he, he referenced, he said his wife had a heart for, I think it was Ethiopia. I don't want to misspeak, but mm. I, I might be wrong on that. But he's like, she had a heart and a longing for that. So we adopted a kid from there. No, that was the first thing he talked about was how proud he was uh, about being a father. Being a father. It was yeah. a, it was the best thing. he. And then, so Mark Little, man, huge shout out to, to the guy. Mm-hmm. He's doing amazing work. And he again, I asked him on the episode. He's in his 50s. And he seems like he's so excited and he's getting just started on a new journey. I was like, dude, what wakes you up at? I mean, you would think yeah. someone by there, they're like, oh, I kind of want to just retire. No. You know, I, I worked at the post office for 20 years. Now I'm going to retire. It's like, those, no, he's yeah. he's going, man. Those people don't do that. It's they episode don't. It's episode 29, Mark Little. 29, okay, Mark mm-hmm. Little. You know, you might not agree with all his politics. You might not agree with his religious stance or whatever, but if you just be open-minded and hear the core value or can just be inspired by the guy who literally has like – I know it's cheesy to say the heart of a lion. Mm-hmm. He has the yeah. heart of a lion, dude. Yeah. Like I don't know it's too not many cheesy people. when it's true. Like if I got my leg blown off, it would really mess with my psyche. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, would, 100%. I don't know how I'm I'm always about like no despair, no despair, move forward, no despair. But, you know, I have I have all 10 fingers and toes. Mm-hmm. I can I'm healthy. Yep. You know. Well, so anyways, we, that was so same thing with Mark Little as Ben Carson for me. It was yeah. like and you know damn right that Mark Little is making moves right now. Mark, oh yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. He is. He is out there making change, leading the charge. A big thing from that episode again. I just listened as an audience member was idol tree. Yeah, and he was talking about we got to choose the right idols. Yep. 
and Mark Little is a guy to use as an idol totally or someone to look to up to. Sure. Same as Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, that relates to my guy I chose, which is David Goggins. David Goggins. Yes. Oh, David. David Goggins, man. So this guy, I read I his book. I love me some Goggins. First of all, he's a former Navy SEAL, which thank goodness for the Navy SEAL. So like the elite of the elite, right? And yeah. there's so many right now that are just killing it in the private sector because we need men like that. Oh, big time. Um, so first, he was raised with child labor and abuse from his father. So his father was kind of like, he ran like multiple businesses where he ran like a bowling alley, beat his mom. Uh, David Goggins is, is black, right? And he uh, was six years old working after school and would stay at the bowling alley until like midnight and get like six hours of sleep. So re- really child labor. And oh, he would, yeah. yeah. Seriously. And he would, it was him and his older brother. And then he lived in rural Indiana. So his mom finally got to the point where she she had enough. She got beat enough. She got treated bad enough uh, that she ended up going to Indiana and leaving. Just her and him. His brother stayed with his dad, which I thought was interesting, which I don't think they're close even to this day. But they moved to rural Indiana. He is the, again, we're lucky we're from Phoenix, by the way. So it's such a different climate I can't even think of. But he was the only black kid in his school. Mm-hmm. And all he talked about was how many times uh, he was called the N-word as a, like a normal day. Yeah. Can you imagine being like the one kid that stands well, out? He was in a very white community, right? Rural Indiana. Like completely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, just like, I can't think of it, but just think of Token like Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. Think of something like just an old movie where yeah, like, you had like nothing but white guys. Only white dudes. Because well, you had no black farmers, guys in there. You know, if it's yeah. rural, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. But think about the roots, right? Indiana. Yeah, it's you know you have more the north south kind of you know Big you get, uh, I don't know I mean just think about it this is much different than Phoenix where well, we're more he said, he's like diverse. I grew up in a racist place racist and he felt so, he said uh, he got to a point uh, after high school and he was just a bug man and he felt sorry for himself and then one day he was watching a documentary on the TV and he saw Navy SEALs he said I'm gonna do that and he was about 300 pounds and he got motivated he signed up with a Navy recruiter. And he ended up losing over 100 pounds in three months. Just pure wit. I mean, his workouts were beyond the one-hour orange theory. Oh, and before... And before that happened, he had already joined the Air Force, right? Oh, okay. He, I'm sorry. He, he did join the Air Force, he, he and, then did. and then he, he got, got out. out. Because he had... He was... Remember, I think it was... Was it sickle cell or something like that? He had some crazy disease in... Uh, it was really messing with him. Does he have it sickle cell? Been, yeah, I don't think, I think it was it sickle was, cell. Dude. It might have been the trait... The trait, yeah. yeah. Which Speaking makes, of a disease that really only hits the black community, it's pretty much sickle cell. Like white people don't get it. No, actually, it's it's, it's like not, very rare. Yeah, yeah, but it's not actually black people that have the main sickle cell. It's actually like a Middle Eastern group of people. Oh, they're yeah. just no more known here in America. But uh, sickle cell is brutal. Yeah, oh it's yeah, the red, it's red blood cells uh, are shaped. They're sickled. They're shaped like an almost like an S. So what Ooh. happens is they can bundle up. When you get stressed in the body, they can bundle up. They bundle up in like joints and stuff and cause severe pain. Mm-hmm. And you can actually die. They can cause like blood you, clots and bleeding. Mm-hmm. Can you have it be an onset thing from stress? So stress, stress is a trigger. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oxygen is one of the first treatments. A lot of people just are on opiates and stuff. It's really sad. And it's a recessive uh, trait. So it means like mom, dad have it. You pass it on, right? Damn. So that's why it's in the black community. I don't know when it originally started, but it, it passes on that way. Um, there Patrick is other Peterson. groups that are even higher. Does Patrick Peterson have Patrick it? Patrick Peterson, yeah. He has diabetes too. It's kind of interesting. But he ended up graduating BUDS. So again, that's the Navy SEAL mm-hmm. hardcore boot camp, right? And again, he lost 100 pounds in three months, which is wild. No crazy dieting. It was A lot of it was just unbelievable exercise, relentlessness. Hasn't he like broke some records for like the pull-up record in 24 hours? Yeah, he did do like that. that. Now, he w- now he's second in the world. But he deployed multiple times. What was amazing about him is that he never he never lost the tenacity. David mm-hmm. Goggins was actually not known. He wasn't very liked in the Navy SEALs because he never let up. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Navy SEALs, after they get through training, they like to party, they like to hang out. He was always about grinding. Mm-hmm. He became. He went from that fat guy on the couch that sprayed bugs all day, felt yeah. sorry for himself, ate donuts at the after his night shift, and then he said, "I'm not doing this anymore." He's like, literally that's like the most did. intense person I've ever 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 heard of. <laughs> ever yeah. heard. Although yeah. I was right, it was uh, Tevin Coleman, not oh, Patrick okay. Peterson. But you're right, he has diabetes, Patrick okay. Peterson. And he was a spokesperson actually. So for a while, the Navy actually wanted to utilize him for inner city areas to recruit uh, African Americans for the Navy. 
right? Because they wanted to have more diversity. So he was actually, he actually would cycle through uh, America and speak to like, I guess, areas with more minorities to yeah. try and recruit them, right? And the Navy SEALs like, what can we do to get, you know, more diverse group of people that can Didn't be better for the he Navy? he was like the first black guy to, oh no, no, he was one of like, there's such it's a very low, low, low number of yeah, black go dudes. Yeah, Navy SEALs. And it's the SEALs, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm During sure. that time, he was running marathons, and then he became what's called an ultra-marathoner. Basically, overnight, almost died. He almost had kidney failure. And ultra-marathon <laughs> means, like, well, usually over, I think it's over, like, 50 miles in, a, in a, one day. Mm-hmm. But he's done over 100, I think he's over 200 miles. Jeez. He's done in one sitting. And he does these crazy long races. I mean, it's just unbelievable, his story. You can read his book. A lot of this is from the book, Can't Hurt Me. Uh, he actually has a great video out right now, which I think is a little, quite a bit different than what most people would think uh, with the George Floyd situation. And I just think it would be interesting. It's just a different take from a guy with a different perspective. Um, he's still pushing every day. He's actually a wildland firefighter, so he's a retired SEAL. He Gosh. wrote a book. He's done everything. He's done ultra marathons. He became a wildland firefighter. He's like, I'm still grinding. Mm-hmm. And he believes in this one thing that stuck with me, which was, and this is me on the treadmill, which is true but he believes in most people are just giving 40 percent. he's like you think you're giving your all and you're only giving 40 percent. and that's a guy that almost died running like an ultra marathon it was over 100 miles and he actually had kidney failure he had rhabdomyolysis and that's from uh dehydration and he had like he actually i thought he went straight yeah the amount of muscle breakdown which can you can lose your kidneys and um I mean, just the wit and the grit. And, he, and the thing about him, though, is he's not a victim about the racism. He's honest about it. He says it was ridiculous. It was horrible. And it made him stronger. Yeah. You know, I can't speak for that. I wasn't treated that way. I wish I could hug him at, you know, seven years old. Well, like, I wish you weren't treated that way, man. But yeah, because he talks about the cookie jar. So the cookie jar is like, he, he says, like, everyone's got a cookie jar. So you put that cookie jar up and you pull out a cookie when you need one. And that cookie is like all those times people are being racist to him. All those times people told him he was going to fail. All those times all these awful things happen. He, he goes there because he talks about going to hell. And you don't know what, you know, you got, sometimes you got to go to hell to come back stronger, to have perspective. Like we've talked about before, like the sweet's not sweet without the bitter. And so he, uh, he had a cool story too. He, I think he was, he was on the JV basketball team and they went to an away game. And when he went out on the court, the entire stadium of like the opposing town was chanting the N word, yeah. screaming it. Can and, you imagine? And so he insane. obviously became, he's like, I saw red. Oh, dude, it's the best uh, video when he's talking about it because it just gives you chills. He's talking about how he saw red. He ran into the locker room. He was sobbing. He, he couldn't understand mm. it. Why do all these, why do all these people hate me? And he was, uh, he was crying and he said his coach came in and he just like simply told him, he's like, David, like stand up, like get up, like you're okay. And, and he hugged him and he embraced him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, his coach was a white man too. No, his, so, his principal was there for him too. His principal backed him up. Mm-hmm. And a big thing he talks about now is like he has built a huge following, which isn't even his goal. His goal is just to grind forever until yeah. the day he dies. Until he dies. But something he recognizes is he recognizes what's the truth. You know, he's had some white people would be the worst ever mm-hmm. in his life, but he also realizes that some white people have been the best thing in his life. One of the yep. reasons, reasons his book took off is because of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe yep. Rogan's a white guy. You know, yeah. he talks about 80% of his followers are white guys. He's not asking <laughs> for that. Like, all of us love him. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just three basic <laughs> yeah. dudes. Three regular dudes, white, man. You know, and I just like that. I mean, man, he's just cut from a different cloth. He is. And he had he so many is. reasons to sit on that couch, eat donuts, get fat, and be a bug man forever. And uh, he didn't allow that to happen. I know, oh, dude. He's he is someone. There's a few people that really took me off the celebrity train of like we we often idolize. We've always brought up, you know, idolatry. You look at celebrities. You look at whoever the media highlights, and you think that they're amazing, or or even just like football athletes or something like that. Put them mm-hmm. on a pedestal. And I started getting off that more and more the older I got because I realized like. This is this is weird, you know. First of all, to mm. worship someone's weird. Second of all, when it, especially when it's someone, it's like I'm never gonna be a like an NFL player, like a singer, actor. And then it was it was like Cameron Haynes, 
even like kind of like Joe Rogan, but he's kind of in that celebrity sphere. But because of his podcast and who he brings on, you know, Cameron Haynes, um, same thing, ultra marathoner, El Connor runs a marathon a day, lifts. Father. I mean, crazy father. Um, but David Goggins is another mm-hmm. one. I remember when I first heard this guy talk, I, I couldn't believe it actually. Oh, yeah. I just couldn't believe the intensity. And he's, he did. To me, voice. he's the strongest physically and mentally person I know of in this yeah. world. Seriously. Yeah. And then, uh, and he really helped me learn a lot of things about life just, just from hearing him talk. Mm. Things that I never would have thought of. Like, I never thought of. Same thing, 40%. I always thought, like, everyone's like, give 110%, do it. And you feel like, like you're doing a workout, you're like, yeah, 100%. And then you realize, you're like, He's like, I never ran farther than two miles in my life at this point. I wanted to qualify for an ultra. They told me to go to a 100-mile race where I'm on a one-mile track in San Diego. I ran 100 miles, but 70 miles in. Both my feet were broken. I had poop all up my back. I was crapping my pants, pissing blood. (laughs) I laid on the floor dying, and then I got up and ran 30 miles. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh well, okay. I guess I've never worked out in my life." <laughs> no, I know it makes you feel bad about yourself. I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for a Goggins inspirational Dude. video today. He's in like it's insane how intense he is, and no, and like I feel like that's actually part of the reason I even got into cardio. I've always hated cardio. It was because of David Goggins. Yeah, I was like, man. he made me feel like, oh, dude, I'm so weak. The fact that I go to the gym every day and I'm not doing cardio, and then and now I love it. Now it's my favorite part of my workout. Yeah, it really is. It, well, it just taught me. I was like, look at this human. Like, look at like what we're capable of as people. Yeah, like 100%. a human being is capable of just like accomplishing incredible feats. How do yeah, you balance just, that though? Well, he just talks about the I have mental no toughness. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How do you balance like what's driven for you? What's pushing you for you? Yeah, like are we all supposed to run ultras yeah, and, and buy like, books, <laughs> write books? Because comparison is the killer of joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, is the time. thief of joy? Something. Well, like I think that, he's. But. You know what it is though? It's uh, he's just doing what he himself felt is called to do, and he's like fulfilling his own destiny. I think we're all supposed to fulfill our own destiny. You know, so like, yeah, what is too much? But it's like, no, really, have that question for yourself. What is it that you need to do? You know, David Goggins found it, and it's running like a madman. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like for being, Ben Carson, it was being the best neurosurgeon on the planet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and should we talk about mine? Yeah, let's I, go to I mean, segment. Who, who do we got here, Anthony? Yeah, Mine here. is way different than these guys. <laughs> but it wouldn't be you. Yeah. Exactly. I know, right? That's so true. But you know what, though? Like, he really does have a crazy interesting life. I feel oh, like. yeah. I was going to so. say, when we were texting about this, too, and we are setting up this episode, and Anthony said <laughs> who he's about to talk about, it's just funny because, like, I love him. I love this guy. Uh-huh. But I was like, that's such Anthony, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I find this, like, you know, dude, he's a neurosurgeon. He's, a, you know, David Goggins. We're talking about Mark Little. And then Anthony, I was like, oh, this is such an Anthony-esque thing. No, to but me, I had he's no amazing. idea what you were going to talk about. No, he yeah. is amazing. Yeah. No, no, no. He is. Yeah. He is. It was just I wasn't expecting it. You know, like you're yeah. just. I'm waiting for you to say like Carl Weathers or that's something. True. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I like to throw a curveball. Apollo Creed. <laughs> yeah, Can we yeah. talk about Apollo Creed <laughs> yeah. for a minute? I'm so yeah, I'm gonna uh, talk about Dave Chappelle, and oh. and the reason I want to talk about Dave Chappelle is uh, he has a really interesting history. So, um, you know, we were talking about you know. Both both these uh, great men that we talked about, they like, had they started off, and they really you know uh, what'd you say Ben Carson you know his mom had left his dad at twenty, you know all these different things. Uh, Dave Chappelle, his great grandfather was actually the president of Allen University, and which is a a black university. Wow, in, I think South Carolina. His great grandfather? Yeah, like literally the president of a university. Yeah, like literally like eighteen ninety to like nineteen ten. So like old school. Damn. And uh, Dave Chappelle is the only person in his family to never get a college degree. Wow, and he's probably more successful, like monetarily. Yeah, monetarily, of course. Because what is success? Because what is success? Yeah, right. You know what it is, though. It's because he did what he's supposed to do. He found what his destiny is, and he just pursued it. I mean, this guy was 15 years old. You know, he's in high school. You know, he's having his parents are forcing him to make great 
or good grades, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's making good grades, and he's going to nightclubs when he's 15 and doing comedy shows because that's what he felt like he was meant to do. And so he's pursuing, he's pursuing this uh, this dream of his. And what was really cool, so of course, when you're on the grind, you know, all he wanted to do was be, you know, one of the best comedians or just to feel like he made it, right? So then, you know, now he's making a scene, you know, now Comedy Central, you know, he catches their eye, you mm-hmm. know, and in, uh, I think it was 2002 or 2006, I can't remember, but his second season, uh, his DVD set was the most sold DVD set of any TV show ever. So here he is. He is now at the top of the game. You know, he's a black male. He's a black comedian, and he's he talks about a ton of controversial subjects. And now he's number one. And then now he's faced with a decision. Comedy Central comes up at him, and they're like, "Hey, we want to give you a fifty million dollar contract. And for this fifty million dollar contract, you know, you're gonna we're gonna give you a certain amount of seasons. You can talk about all you want to talk about, um, but we just have a little bit more control about like what you can and can't talk about, you know. And here is Dave Chappelle, who has, I mean, said some very off color jokes about the black community, but he kind of wanted to extend into like, you know, into presidents and like certain current issues, and Comedy Central was against it. And so he backed away from it. Uh, that was one of the reasons. The other reason was he felt like he was grinding and he was missing out on his uh, family's life. And so he moved to Africa for like 10 years. And 10 what was years? Cra- yeah. Wow. And so, and what was crazy was, is because, you know, of course, Comedy Central, CNN, Fox, Disney, they're all owned by like, like six different groups. It's like an oligarchy. It really is. And so he gets ripped. He gets ripped into for for leaving, you know. They're like, oh, why is he doing this? He's scared, blah, blah, blah. Um, And they really kind of try to tarnish his name. Uh, And then he comes back, you know. And, of course, what was really cool when he came back, you could just tell Dave Chappelle was different. It's like he felt called to, to be, it sounds bad when I say it, but the jester that he's supposed to be. And what's cool about the jester the the origin of a jester was someone who you know of course was there to entertain the king and the crowds and whenever you know other kings and princes and stuff would come into the kingdom but the jesters would always throw in little bit of political things or serious issues that the people feel and you know that way the people were entertained as well and it was not uncommon for a jester to get beheaded because he was you know making fun of the king or would say some off-color joke and you can tell now that Dave Chappelle has come back he's really really made it a point to be funny because he's still hilarious but to talk about some serious issues and it's just like it's just really cool to see him just really spread his wing because every comedian they attribute him to be like one of the best comedians alive today. Oh yeah, he gets he gets that title. He gets quite the often. title. Yeah. yeah. And uh and it's because he felt like what he was supposed to do. Can you imagine turning down 50 million like when all you're wanting to do is pursue and is to make it, to feel like you made it. This is what I wanted to do. And then you finally feel like you can make it, but they put a little bit of guardrails on you. And he turns it down. I can't believe you went to I didn't know he went to Africa. You I didn't, didn't know that. that. I didn't what know did it was 10, 10 years, years in Africa. Yeah, I mean, it came back in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, it was really cool. Like, this is just like kind of karma or whatever it is. He came back and he got a $50 million contract from Netflix. Yeah. He's so, already put out two specials? Three, I know three? for sure. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just really cool to hear his uh, his bits because they are hilarious. And uh, parts of them are, a lot of his jokes will start off uncomfortable. You know, especially, you know, being in the white community, they'll talk about something. And then uh, he makes you, he makes you realize things. So he teaches you through comedy. It's like he literally is a philosopher now. Mm-hmm. It's like he's embraced that role. Yeah, he, gosh, I, I forget which one. I think it was the most recent one or like the second one that he came out with that I, I listened to and I really enjoyed. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's cool. It's a whole different. I mean, I loved his old stuff. Like Dave Chappelle's show was like Chappelle's my show was so good, dude. It was like 
One of my favorite shows growing Dude, up. We were just like these little like seventh graders watching him. Oh, dude. It was so I to, good. I loved I it. I had to hide it from my parents. I had to hide it too, man. Oh, yeah. No way could yeah, I have watched it. Way too rated R. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just really cool because I feel like he's really just taken on his role as a comedian to really become a voice in the community. And... Um, and also just being being a father and being the man and and just pursuing his own legacy and by him pursuing his own legacy he hasn't lost himself and he hasn't i mean yeah maybe he's lost a little bit of money he could say but no nah, well, being he, true to who you are he's just being true to who you are and yeah 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 gosh that's cool man yeah, i did not know i i knew a little bit i always knew that he left i didn't know why oh yeah and there's all these conspiracies that he was dead yeah, that Did you hear was, all the conspiracies that. that like he died and they like cloned him. Yeah, well, no, well, the, the media, <laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's funny. The media, I don't think he's back, cloned, but the media back then was trying to say that it was like, oh, he fled the country because he was going to get arrested. Yeah, like literally because he turned down a contract and he wouldn't do what they wanted to do. The media turned against him. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah, dude, they want well, even Comedy Central, they wanted to censor him. Oh yeah, and that's why like Rogan always talks about. It. He's like, I couldn't do this on a network, mm-hmm. like. Why, why would you want a network? You get to talk for 30 seconds. They tell you what you can and can't say. If you say something wrong. Like, look at Megan Kelly. Was it Megan Kelly? Yep. She got that huge job at, like, ABC and got fired, like, three months in. Yeah, oh, did she, she really? said something, right? Yeah, it was about, it was definitely, a, like, I think it was about Halloween, like, a blackface joke. Or not joke. She didn't tell a joke. She made a comment on it. Like, oh, like, saying it's not racist I, or I don't something. remember. No, I forgot what it was. It was, like... Or, you know, she did say something like, it's not racist if you don't do something else. I don't know. And they, and she got fired. Um, the crazy thing is, though, they're like, she has the best agent in the world because, like, her whole five-year contract was guaranteed. So she yeah. made five years worth of money in three months. And they fired her. <laughs> I don't know but about yeah, her politics, but she's really say, she's easy pretty. to look at. <laughs> she's, the, she's the ice queen. Dude, she's yeah. I think she's, she's on another uh, network now or her own is or she? I don't know. Do they all every, they all just get passed around? You get fired from one of those jobs. You yeah. got three more lined just up. Just like or CEO. They remake. What are the job? Do you get a bonus on the way out, and then you get another job? Yeah. You get fired for a bad job. Yeah. But don't don't mind that. Here's yeah. a bonus. I know your workers have to take a pay cut. You get a bonus, and then you get to get another gig. Yeah, and everyone gets yeah. outraged for a bit. They With forget. a three letter title. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you write a C- book. CEO, CFO, COO, CNO, CDO, whatever. It's like you get fired and then you write a a, you get a ten million dollar book deal. Yeah, Uh, boys, we're slacking. We need to like name ourselves CEO, so COO. We need to just do that (laughs) because we sound really important. Yeah, that is true. Throw them on some business cards. I know, dude. Yeah, Eric's CEO. Yeah, Eric's CEO. Chief. I wasn't trying to use a good word with E. I can't think of one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If Anthony's I'm... the chief funny officer. CFO. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chief funny officer. The That's funny so guy. corny. Oh, I man. I do. I remember earlier, you know, we were talking about, you know, the podcast, how we wanted to project this episode. And it's a tough time. Yeah. It's, it's a tough crazy, time bro. In. We have 40, is it 40 million people unemployed? 40 million unemployed. That's scary. That's scary. That's scary. That's part of the riots right now. That's part of the looting. Time, that's part man. of the, the anxiety, the stress, the depression. God, it, that's scary, man. Man, all I know is we're just now coming into six months into 2020. <laughs> we still have an election coming up. <laughs> oh, I'm just bro, like, not to get too crazy what, on that, but what's like. What's the next episode, y'all? What's the, like, are we going to experience some crazy, like, election riots? Yes. That's uh, what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Riots? Yeah. Because of election? Why? Like, people turning out to be like, you know, either like the don't vote, because there's those anarchist mm-hmm. don't vote crazy people, you know, who are mm-hmm. like, and then, oh. I don't know, just people who are like, I can see you have one side who's going to be like, we're going to turn out and we're going to have a rally and we're going to show up. And then you have the other side who's like, not happening. We'll stop it. And they, you know what I mean? I just feel like there's going to be like protests and counter protests. And then there's going to be agent provocateurs who come in and start smashing shit and drop off bricks. And oh, then, you know, some voting like, centers are going to get weird. burned down. It's going to be sure. weird. I don't know. I just, I got really scared to be honest, to think about how are these elections? There was an election yesterday. During oh, riots yeah, yeah. and, and stuff, true. like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I get, I'm fearful for people not being able to vote. I, oh God, there's so many issues to, so many. to kind of fret about and 
to ponder and wonder. And, and every day we're going into a new world. A new if you one, think about man. It. Every day forward, right? Mm-hmm. I think we were really lucky. We still are lucky. I mean, we live in a, a really good time. We can talk about... You know, all the bad things we can focus on, I get it, but it's not the it's not 1940s, okay? We're not World War II. We're not sure if Nazi Germany is going to take over the country. Yeah, Because if you true. didn't stop Hitler at that time, they would have taken over, man. Like, there was plenty of times if he made smarter decisions that who knows, we'd be speaking German right now. And well, you want to talk uh, about actual straight prejudice. I mean, they burnt people alive. Well, as I was say, most people. of the NASA is made up of Nazis. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We took them because they were so smart. We took them. We the whole world wanted them. We learned a lot because they did human experiments in World yeah. War II for medicine. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. We learned that that's how you die of too much salt water. It will kill you. Because oh, they did experiments. Mm-hmm. They I did know, a lot of twin studies. I know actually, that was like a, this was back in like the dynasty age and stuff like that. That was like a sign of like, uh, oh, the way a, a wealthy emperor would go out, he would just eat tons of salt. And then that's how it would kill him because like salt was so hard to come by back then. God, that what just, a baller way to go out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just like oh. eating as much money as possible. I will eat all the prized ducks in the neighborhood. How about, <laughs> how, when I started, I just started thinking samurai, but how about that? What is that term where they commit suicide when they're for it's pride? Like, it's like busuko. <laughs> so I can't remember what it is. Kamasuko. Oh, what it's is like, it? It's, oh, it's. It's lower left abdomen. Yeah, lower left abdomen. They stab. Right over and they disembowel themselves. Yeah. But in the name of like honoring war yeah. and honoring Seppuku. the loss. Is that what it's called? Seppuku? Seppuku. Yeah. Damn. Either way, I just Wahara think, Kiri. God, can you imagine like, oh, we, I don't know. No, I just, I I mean, just started thinking about that in my head. Well, history, talk man. About the history, pride. you always want to talk about perspective. You want to have a good lens. Just think of history. Yeah. And not even just recent history, like we're talking about some kind of ancient history stuff, but man, there was some, uh, that's the other thing, we won't get too much into it, but like, you know, if you go far enough into history, look at like Braveheart, like Scotland, England, like the English and the English king who had power looked at the Scots as inferior, you know what I mean? They looked at him as a totally different subhuman species, basically, and it's like, even uh, even World War One, like Serbia, Ottoman Turks, they're from the same area. You know, they're from the same. They're from the Balkans. They're Eastern European. They they look the same. They eat the same food. Same culture. Hate each other. Want to kill each other. Want to take over and conquer each other. Enslave one another. So this thing is weird, man. And and, and you know, you go out through the ages, and it's different people and different times and, and different things. But I mean, I don't know what to make of it today. Um, it's a crazy time. I think we need to recognize that we need to improve. I don't like thinking everything's negative. That's just a tough way to think and believe. It's and a hard the facts. Yeah. The facts don't match up to that. So stick to some facts. You know, recognize there's a problem. Care. Be passionate about the topics that are going on right now. You know, COVID's scaring people. Um, the racial injustice is scaring people and upsetting people. And it's good to care and recognize that there's problems that can get better and will get better. Right, I think it was Killer Mike out of Atlanta. I yeah, was watching that video. Today, that was a good one. And he talked about it. He's like, "Look at how much how much Atlanta has improved." You know, he even talked about it, man. This guy's like emotional, a big guy, a strong guy in the community. He talks about how we're gonna build up Atlanta. Yeah, look people. at even the Phoenix Police Department, dude. Like, we're one of the only uh, police departments in the nation with a female black police chief. Yeah, that's very progressive. Yeah, you I would mean, not have thought that would happen 10 years ago. Dude, even. if you could only have, I mean, I could only go off what I read in Martin Luther King, but if you could only only have him today to see what has changed since oh, he was around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm so glad I, I didn't. we didn't have to be raised in that time or go through that. Like You talk about civil rights. I mean, yeah, they had some rioting and things, but that guy, like, he could have got angry. I mean, he was assassinated. Jeez. Obviously, for who he was and what he stood for. Dude, I went to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I remember going in, and I was like, I had like maybe two or three hours to kill. So I was like, oh, that'll be cool. You know, I'll go do that. You know, it's a museum. Dude, when I talk about it affected for sure my whole day. Like, it was just such a moving experience. It was such a sad experience to think. Because, it, you know, it started with, like, slavery. 
and and then moved to the the last room is uh, the hotel room where Martin Luther King was assassinated. So you're like in the you you see the balcony where he was shot and killed, and it was dude that day man was was insane. Uh, I was so just saddened and just so like how can people be this ugly to one another? Mm-hmm. It was it was absolutely it was jarring. It really was. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a competition to say who's been wrong the most. No. Yeah, I think no. there's something about that. It's like, you know, we, uh, we're we getting flack for not posting enough or posting too much. And it's like, you know, we're, push, we're, we're trying to have an open, tough conversation. And it's like, you know, you can have argument, but every race has had racism against them. You know, you can argue the Jewish population has been the most hated and and... I mean, literally extinguished population. The 1940s, it was, what is it, 18 million? Six million. I'm sorry, six million total. Yeah. Were at, now it's one third of the Jewish population. Yeah. There was 18 million. I thought there was more. It wasn't just Jewish. It was more than that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like 12 million total. I mean, literally burnt alive, starved to death, drowned, gas chambered. I mean, you talk about, I mean, that's less than 100 years ago. That's 80 years ago. Yeah. The Armenian genocide. I think that was, I don't even know what day. Rwanda. Yeah. That's in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. I know a guy I went in the military. He was from Rwanda, man. I've met nurses from Africa, from Rwanda. And you talk about PTSD. I mean, man, and some of those people are the nicest people you ever meet. And they lost their whole family to genocide. Yeah, man. I've been to, I spent a few months in South Africa. I went to an apartheid museum and I talked to a lot of people who were alive during apartheid. Like straight up, like. We had military zones for black and white. You know, like, this world has come. We've we've overcome some great things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or not, not great isn't that's great. But, I mean, like, we've gotten to some great things, you know. And that just shows you, like, where are we going next? You know, like, mm-hmm. George Floyd's death touched me. It took that much to finally, like, kick me in high gear a bit. I think all of us feel like we're, we're recognizing, we're realizing everyone on my social media has posted something positive supporting this and being like, this is not okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's going in a positive direction. It is. And, mm-hmm. and, that's, and we have to keep saying that message. We got to keep having the conversation. You got to keep talking. You have to point out, like, I, I said this to someone today because they were getting a little you know, uh, argumentative, right? Yeah. About like, well, don't just bring up this or bring up that. And I was like, I think it's our job to point out all wrong. You know, whenever you see it, you need to name it and you need to point it out. And that's how we put an end to it. You have to name it when you see it. Yeah, that's true. And I I will say like the reason we're doing this episode, it's obviously not a coincidence. Uh, you know, we, we love, we love black people. We love the black community. And at just a couple dudes, we realize that there is so much hate, so much divide going on right now that we just really wanted to spread positivity. We wanted to talk about three black men that we personally look up to that we're inspired by that, uh, we feel like we need to be more like. And, uh, so I hope we didn't offend anybody through all this. It was really just us trying to be positive because, uh, we, we know that the black community feels hurt right now and we don't know how to fix those problems. We, we, I wish I had more answers, but we don't. Uh, but what we do know is we recognize your struggle and, uh, we recognize that you are a strong, beautiful community and we are there for you and, uh, we support you. Um, yeah, man, that's important. And I like how you said we recognize it, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what it is. It's the recognition of the problems. It's the recognition of reality and what everyone's experiencing, especially that community. And it's not to say, like I said on a, pri- a previous thing, it's not to say I can empathize in a way that's like, oh, we, f- we feel it because mm-hmm. we, we don't, right? Because no, we're yeah. of a different. So you identify with something when you share a culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to recognize, it's important to talk about these issues. I'll be honest, like we were talking about, we're like, man, this is hard. This is super hard. It's, it's, it's like draining. It's emotionally draining. I was terrified to do this episode. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people won't, won't agree or, or they'll hear the worst thing about this stuff too is words, man. Mm -hmm. Words suck. Words do not do things justice, and people pick words 
and and they have a different meaning to that word than you do. Mm-hmm. And so what you say might mean something different than your intent. And so what I would say is any anything that any one of us has said, myself included, like you might have taken it a different way. And before you, if you hear something you don't like either, I would like to say we could we can talk more about it. That's why we're having this open dialogue, and that's why we do it in a long form. It's not a 10-minute talk on something, not 30 seconds. It's a whole hour, right? And we get to explain and go in depth into these these problems and, and our viewpoints, but we're also open. But don't get hung up on, on words, man. Words suck. And we're not, we're not experts, right? We're not it's experts. So nice just a couple dudes. We're just a couple dudes, just a couple guys that are here sitting. We have life experience. You know, we take our time. We're, we have our own individual lens on life. We try to think that we have a balanced view, but we're not perfect. Everyone has a bias too. That's something, right? Yeah. Everyone has a bias. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's, it's easy just to find people that can agree with their viewpoints. But I think it's really important to go outside your realm a bit and start to look and learn. And the way you do that is by going from people that have different viewpoints. Yeah. And go, why do you think that way? No, yeah, people need to have more conversations. That's really, because we talked about this in the last episode, is that we, when, you, when it all boils down to it, we're all way more similar than we are different. And it was funny, uh, you know, like we talked about, I was, I was kind of nervous doing this episode. And um, it's just when we embrace, you know, just being together in the community, that's where we make advances. So uh, this is kind of a funny story. Uh, I'd gotten off work. This was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, got off work at 11 o'clock at night, and I really was craving some fried chicken. And literally one of the best places to get it is at Shark's, uh, Shark's Fried Chicken. So those to the Arkansas listeners, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, well, this particular place, the only one that was open that late was off of Asher, which is literally like one of the worst parts of town you can be in, right? But I was like, dude, I don't care. I just want some fried chicken, right? So I walk in there, you know, and I walk in and of course there's like five, it might've been six, uh, you know, younger twenties black dudes there. All right. And so I go and I get my order and I'm just waiting, you know, trying, you know, and I'm just, I'm not even too worried about it. I'm really not. And I feel like they could recognize that I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. And this one black dude walks up to me and he's just like, he's like, Hey man, I ain't going to lie. I ain't ever seen a white guy walk into this uh, this shark's chicken when it's uh, nighttime. Respect. <laughs> Literally, give me a handshake. And he was like, and I was like, dude, I like. I was like, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I probably like chicken more than you. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> like, and like, we literally bonded over that moment though, because it was like, you know, people have these like fears and like, oh, I don't want to go there because it's that scared. But it's like, you know what? Just, just. Let's bond over some food. That, that's literally what communion is, is just bonding over food. Yeah. And, you know, when you when you aren't scared, because I'm telling you right now, when you are scared, like let's say if I was scared, those those black guys would have recognized that I was nervous. You can sense it. You can. We sense already kind of talked about that. Yeah, you can see it in the eye, your body language. Body language is, what is it, like 60% of what people... I've, I've read as high as 90. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like... You know, be comfortable. You know, have conversations with the the people that are different with you, and you'll be more comfortable. You won't be scared, and they won't be scared of you. You well, know, it's like that female. Did you see that video of the female, the white lady that was that called on the the, the black dude that's just watching birds? In the, in the yeah, she he had binoculars on. Yeah, he looked like the nicest guy in the <laughs> yeah. world, and she oh, called. She, oh, she's this girl. This is like right after George out. Floyd, right? And it was. She was in like New she was in York Central or, Park. Yeah, Central Park, and walking her dog, she's and he was video. bird watching yeah, and so watching. he told her he's like hey you should get a you should put your dog on a leash because like huh. anyone should put their dog <laughs> yes, on a leash. I, yes. I don't like when people are like no she's fine i'm like no she's not it's still an animal it's an animal, it's an okay. animal okay. anyways night. she starts freaking out she thinks that he's like gonna oh, i don't geez. know she calls the police on him yes. and and he's like don't like what are you doing lady and oh, then she's God. like and then he tried giving her dog a treat he had dog treats with him so he's like yeah yeah like i'll give him a treat and she's Freaking out, she calls the police on the phone call. She's literally like, "There's a like a black African American man. He's harassing me." Blah, she's screaming. On video. Karen, oh, it's calm so down. Bad. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And then she said she like felt threatened for her life, and I don't know. It was awful. Oh it was and so you, bad. You look at the guy, and he he's, like the he's wearing like a rainbow well, handkerchief around his neck for yeah. his mask, like binoculars. He looked like he honestly kind of reminded me of like a biology teacher. 
Well, that's it. Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> and I don't condone rioting, but that's why people are protesting because of stuff like that. I mean, that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, definitely, that, man. That wouldn't happen to a white guy. It just wouldn't. It no, wouldn't. no, not not in that circumstance and situation. No, no. it just wouldn't. So it's it's sad. That chick had a problem with with him big time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what what she was thinking though. Like logically, what was I she thinking? Dude, she wasn't thinking logically. I seriously yeah. don't know. I it baffles me. It's it's one of those things where you watch the video and you're like, How did she get through her whole life? Is, yeah, to not how have are you this hysterical? She had to freak out like that. How are you this hysterical? And you got through your whole life. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's instances, and it would be very rare to ever act or react in a way that you're you're so emotionally charged. Mm. I mean, don't you feel like most of the time you go by the mo- the most emotionally charged I get typically? Well, it's probably from a rude patient at work or or being on social media so much. Mm. Eat big time, yeah. dude. I mean, God, how many well, how many rude interactions do you genuinely deal with? Someone cuts you off on the freeway. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they got to get off that exit. Maybe they got to go hit work, or maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Right? Maybe there's a kid at home, or maybe yeah. they're just a jerk. But it's like, do you remember? Okay, so on election night during Trump's victory, there's that video of that that like white chick. She's she looks like she's like 19 or 20. Oh, you talking about the glasses? And she falls to her knees and she's just like, <gasps> no, <laughs> just like like face purple, screaming. Yeah. And I was like. Yeah. Wow, her, her veins even, are popping out of her when neck. the Cowboys, when Dak Prescott's rookie year, they lost to Aaron Rodgers. I flipped, but I didn't flip out like that. Like no. when you talk about emotion, I was like, "Dang, man! Like, like that's she. She's gonna have a brain aneurysm. That's what I, crazy." <laughs> what I realized with people is when you can't hit people with facts, then you get more emotional. You just get very because, emotional because you have to get your point across. You feel like. And you don't have the facts, so you just gotta pound. Instead of pounding the facts, you pound the table. Yeah, yeah true. So. Well, I think there's just people that instead of just being open-minded a bit, even just just crack the door open, crack the door open to see a little bit of light to what your viewpoint is. Mm-hmm. They double down or triple down harder. Yeah, and that's where you're getting with these all kinds of topics right now that we consider like the truth. Like with the truth, shouldn't we? Or facts, shouldn't we be open to challenging, discussing, and talking? Like, well, how can we make this better? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, I think a lot of these topics, they, these tough topics, they can just be reworded a bit or oh, rethought absolutely. about. Like, let's find out what we agree on and then go from there. Yeah. It's not black, it's black lives matter, not all lives matter. It doesn't matter. We're focusing on black lives matter. Let's just focus on limiting racism that affects all lives. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's, let's focus on the things we agree on and then focus on what interventions we can do. Yeah, big time, man. And that's the worst part about social media is you get to say one small thing you can't talk, and people hang up on these words. And yeah. the, and then and then you have these people who are virtue signaling, these people who are who are like, let me okay, let me educate you, let me tell you this, and it's like, oh man, this is this isn't this is too negative. I I just can't. Mm-hmm. I was on social media a lot this last two days, man. It's it actually messed with me. My, my it had psychological effects on me today. I felt more depressed i had to intentionally search out funny humorous things and i shared all those and even if people don't think that's right i don't care because i feel like at the end of the day you need to get into a positive mode you need to laugh you need Mm -hmm. to smile you need to feel joy you need to feel love it cannot all be despair it can't it just can't where does that get us gets us nowhere it's not good for your psyche yeah um but we're at an hour should we wrap it up, Man, boys? Isn't it wild how much we put in in an hour? God, it's good. And Joe Rogan does three. And just three, man. Three yeah. or three That's and a half. That's why he's getting a $100 million Spotify deal. But he yeah. doesn't have full-time jobs. Uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. He's not the dean of students. I thought that so much this week. I was like, dude, I wish we could just do this full-time. There'd be so many more episodes. Hey, Dave Portnoy, pick us up. Barstool Sports. Yeah, Barstool yeah. Sports. It is, yeah. Holla at your boy. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully... Yeah, we get good feedback because this is another tough episode, man. Another tough episode, yeah. but you know what? We might as well. We did some tough COVID ones. Yeah, we did. A some. lot of people didn't agree with what we said. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? That's my thing is like, you, you don't agree? That's America, baby. That's it. You don't yeah. agree? That's fine. That's we definitely expressed in the beginning and the end. It's like we have nothing but love for the black community. Yep. So We have nothing but love for the people who are affected by COVID. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I literally I, I put myself on the line every day. I test more people trying to keep them out of the ER and keep them isolated at home. I don't have to test them. 
I don't technically have the right PPE. And I'm not asking for praise. I go in there to test them so that my staff isn't exposed as much. And I do that taking care of myself, treating my metabolic health and being safe and sound. But I feel Mm. like it's my duty in the community right now. You have the local hospitals. They're loaded with COVID patients. It's not Mm. in the news. I don't think, honestly, we can do anything about it. That's the thing we don't recognize and talk about. True. But we do the best we can. Yeah. yeah, that's right. good. I, I like that. We do the best we can. I think that's what we're trying to accomplish here with these conversations. We're just doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be open-minded. I'm trying to learn. And on top of that, I'm also trying to explain a perspective. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, take it or leave it. Anyways, this has been awesome. Yeah. So we talked about Ben Carson, David Goggins, Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle, and Mark Little. Honestly, I see another episode in the future, too. I really do. Well, yeah. I, I definitely think... It's, it's not. There's going to be more things that come up. There's going to be more things we might want to discuss. We also kind of want to keep putting out good quality, positive content and mm-hmm. just keep encouraging people. If people listen, cool. If they don't, hey, we're here to stay. And we still love you. Yeah, we love Spread all you. Spread the love, baby. Spread the love. Find us on Instagram at j.a.k.d underscore podcast. Should I do a, oh, should I do a quote? I think it's can quote I, time. Can I end it? Yeah. Can, can I we end, end this thing? I got two, and I'm going back and forth on it. Oh, okay. Sam both. I don't want... Uh, no, Sam say one, and then okay, and here we tease go. me. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Okay, this is a longer one. Even a happy life cannot be without a measure of darkness. And the word happy would lose its meaning if we're not balanced by sadness. It is far better to take things as they come along with patience and equanimity. Carl Jung. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that was really good, man. It's true, man. Sweet is not as sweet without the bitter. Mm-hmm. <gasps> All right. We'll see you, everybody. And we love you. And we love you. Take it out. All right. Bye.